Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Good morning. Seems like summer is in full flow, isn't it? It's nice to be back, um, I think. Actually, that's a lie. It's not at all. Total spiffer. The, um, okay, it's, it's all right, isn't it? I, I um, kind of get to a stage where I go, I kind of like my own bed. You know that sort of feel? No? Yeah. And um, so it was good. We, we, did, um, we did have a good holiday. It's funny, do you know, um, Penny, Penny, Penny there is over-egging the pudding. You, you learn things every time about yourself when you go away into different foreign-type places. Isn't that right? And um, we, I... I uh, we have a thing every year because you might not know this, but Penny and I speak French, okay? Like properly speak French. And so we have this competition every year. Not a competition because there is no competition because I win it. And so what happens is um, there's lots of French people when I speak to them think that I'm French. How cool is that? And they go, oh, you're French. And I go, well, don't believe it. No, seriously, you should believe me. And uh, so Penny just rolls her eyes because I just go, another one. And uh, it's funny, but then you, you notice there, there's some things that doesn't matter where you go, you just kind of, you don't fit in. Isn't that right? No matter how hard you try. One of those is the swimming pool for me. So Penny, I, my family are all like flipping dolphins, right? Like, you're doing all that and going through the water. I, I, take one look at me. I, this is called the laws of physics, right? I was not designed for swimming. I have tried through all of my life to be a swimmer. I can't swim. And um, I've tried. And so this year, Penny's thing was, I'm going to teach you how to swim, fat boy, right? And so uh, I think it was an exact quote, right? And um, cause so after, like, what were you doing? Like a kilometer or a mile a day? Like, oh, my book. And uh, so there's me in with the girls having, having fun. And do you know do you know? You notice? Like, it's funny, whether you're in France or there are people that you notice and we're kind of in one sense like, one of the, there's a point to this story. If you think, what's this boy rambling on about this morning? Hasn't preached in a month and flip me, you can tell he's rusty. There is a point. Um, and uh, like so people are just the same. You know the way there are people, and these people fascinate me, normally women of a certain age, I'm just going to say that. And they're the type of women who can swim without getting their hair wet. Have you noticed this? Like bouffant, perm, but they do that there, right? and their heads above the water, and they do lengths up and down. I'm going, what is this witchcraft that they are just able to... Because see, when I try to do the same thing, it's just controlled, not even, it's uncontrolled sinking, right? In fact, this year, do you know what it did? I, I set myself a target, said, I'm going to do a length, 25 meters, right? So here's me, I can do it. Well, holy smokes, on the last night of the last day, sun was beaming down, it was 8 o'clock, we're in the pool, it was lovely. And I said, I'm going to do this. Penny was like, come on, Fatso, you can do it. And uh, so there, well, I set off from one end of the pool, I was about a mile and a half to the other end of the pool, right? 25 meters, way down. Well, I did it. Yes. It took me an hour and a half, right? So, and I, I needed CPR. I needed to be dragged out of the pool by Jean-Francois at the end. Honestly, I could see the light at the tunnel. Jesus was coming for me. Come back, Andrew. But I did it. I did 25 meters, right? And you just see the look of disappointment in the, in the French people's eyes. You know those women? Like, not a drop of water in there. And you just think, it doesn't matter. It's funny, right? Because I've looked at those people over here, and you go, we're all just the same, aren't we? Like, it doesn't matter where you go, you get the same characters. French people are dead rude. Like, they just don't do queuing. In fact, at times, I felt like I was not even close to being a Christian, right? I was waiting to do the, the, the drying to get our towels ready for the cases. And it stood, listen to me, for about an hour, right? I put my stuff in line. And this French woman walked in, just pushed my stuff out of the way. She said, uh, you had left. So I talked to her, obviously, in French, because they think I'm French. I said, no, 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 I just went to get my phone from the car. And she went, well, tough. Basically kicked my uh, stuff out of the way and bunged all her stuff into the dryer. Well, seriously, she was nearly going into the dryer <laughs> after it, right? I just realized, you know, she said, mm. if you really want to know if you're a Christian, spend a couple of weeks in France, because they are just so rude, right? So rude all the time, all right? So then you find yourself getting rude. You know what I mean? And giving it all that. It's funny. So there is a point. And listen, didn't Adam do a great job when we were away? And Stevie as well. Uh, who else was preaching? Penny. I uh, know you were with me. And, uh, but 
There, there is a point, because when we get this story, we're, we're looking through Acts, and this is a really important piece of Acts that we come to. It's full of grace, but it's super important because it gets right to the point of your life today, and it gets right to the point of everybody's life, not just in this room, but if you're listening, if you're online, if you're thinking about the people in your life today and where their lives are at. You know what? Sometimes, I remember a friend of mine used to say, sometimes when you don't know what you need, you think you need everything. Let me say that again. Sometimes when you don't know what you need, you think you need everything. So what that means is you can be um, wowed by bright, shiny, different you, because when we don't know what we need, we think we, we are attracted then to all sorts of stuff. Isn't that right? Because what we b- believe is that if the outside stuff is better, then that's going to solve what's happening on the inside, and it doesn't. All you do is you take your crap with you. Talking too straight? Because you're going to get to the heart of grace in the gospel this morning. Don't think that changing a physical thing on the outside is going to make you happier on the inside. It doesn't. It just shifts stuff around. And this is a really important message this morning because I want to get right to the point of it because we're in Acts chapter 10. This whole story of, of why we're doing this and how the gospel and how grace impacts lives and changes lives, you know, we're still writing that story today. Whenever we've been going through Acts, this is not a story that is finished. It is a story that is still being written, and it's being written now today by people like you and me, because as you go through Acts, what you're going to see is, and what we're seeing is, it, not only does it give our lives meaning and purpose, it, it sort of sets in context what your life is about. Do you get that? If you wonder why, why are you here, why are you doing what you do, why, why has God given you breath at this time in this place? What is it all about anyway, or wherever you happen to be listening to? Then what you do is, you, when we look at this book of Acts, you'll see that actually you, you are part of this story. These are not stories of old that are just, oh, that was quite a nice one. I wonder what he can teach me today. But you, you need to see yourself as continuing the narrative. Because, you know, these people that we're talking, I'm going to talk today about Peter and Cornelius. And you know what's interesting? I've never preached in this chapter. So when Penny said to me, uh, she did the summer road, she said, oh, right, you're... You're, if you don't drown, you're speaking on, um, you're speaking on Peter and Cornelius. I was like, I don't think I've ever preached on Peter and Cornelius. That's brilliant. Something new for me to, to get my teeth into. And I've really enjoyed it because what I've seen is that like these people that we're going to read about today, they're just like, they're no different to you and me. Do you get that? That should be a great encouragement to you. There are no superstars of grace. There are no superstars of faith. There are just ordinary men and women who decide in any particular moment of any particular day, not because they're more holy than you, it's just sometimes they take a whack and they have a bit of trust. You get that? And they see incredible things happen in their lives and around them because they're special. No, because they trust. That's it. And I, I find that really encouraging because Peter's a brilliant one. They, you know, you look at Peter and you know that he's an absolute balloon, let's be honest at times, right? Uh, you know, he didn't have a different covenant, you know, Peter's covenant was no different to your covenant. He didn't have a different Holy Spirit. He didn't have a different empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have a more powerful version of Jesus or grace than what you have. So stop discounting yourself and thinking that these are stories that are there to kind of sit up there and be, oh, that's amazing, but I, I can never relate to them. That's not what it's about. P- Peter's such a great example, don't you? We all know his antics. I mean, he was forever messing it up. Wasn't he like cutting off people's ears and saying he had loved Jesus and then giving up on Jesus and anyone in the house going, yeah, I get well, not the cutting off the ears bit, hopefully, but everything else. I love Jesus. I'm not sure I love Jesus. Well, I love him somewhat, but I love him if he would do this for me. And, but I'll follow him to the end of the days until I get offended and then go somewhere else. You know, it's all that kind of stuff, right? It's like, yeah, and you see it all in Peter. And then what you see though, is there's something here that he's captured with the simplicity of the gospels and the simplicity of grace. He gets back to the point of it. And some of us actually have lost heart in the gospel. That's the truth. Some of us have lost heart. Some of us harbor disappointment. Some people have doubt. Some people think there's something more. It's like, yeah, grace is fine, Andrew, but there must be something more. No, there's not, right? And you're going to be encouraged by this today. You see, if you, if you are confronted with the truth of the gospel and you go, yeah, but I also need, then you have not been confronted with the power of the gospel. Do you get that? Because it doesn't leave room for, I, that's all right, but you know what? If I had this, I'd be happier. If that was different, then I'd be happier. But God, you're going to see what Peter does here. It is so clever. There are seven things, okay, all you grace fanatics. You know what, the se- what does seven mean? Okay. Somebody in there said perfection and completion. Thank you, David. I knew it was you. All right. Stepping out and going for it. 
This is, there's seven things that he, that he does, that he talks about, actually. And I just, I'm going to talk about them because they're so incredible. Is that all right? Does that sound okay? I feel like I'm get, starting to get my flow back after a month of not preaching. It's flipping awesome. So do you know what's really important? Let's get right to the heart of it. Do you want to know why this passage in Acts chapter 10 is so important? It is the first time ever that this gospel of grace is preached to the Gentiles. Do you know why that's important? You and I would not be sitting here today unless this happened, because you were never part of the covenant that God had with his people. Why? Because you're not a Jew, right? And the gospel comes first for the Jew, it tells us in Romans, and then for the Gentile. Now, it doesn't mean that there's a different gospel, but God's heart is for the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. He loves them, and so we love them, and we support them. I'm really proud to say we stand with Israel, you know? And if you don't like that, tough, right? You need to get a revelation of why we do that. Now, the thing, the thing for me is, is in that, that like in, at, this, at this point of the, um, of, of the story, right, that you're going to see there are some incredibly powerful lessons, right, that Peter is just going to demonstrate in a moment. And people like you and I are sitting here today because of this moment. The first, you, might, you go, well, what happened on the, the Holy Spirit came and everyone? Well, let, let me explain that. Uh, up until this point in Acts chapter 10, what's happened is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit has predominantly been, number one, to the Jews first, as God said it would be, and then to Gentile converts to Judaism, right? So died in the wool, garden variety, people like you and me, who were not converting into Judaism, hadn't yet been preached to as Gentiles. Does that make sense? So, because the ministry of the apostles first was in Jerusalem up until this point. Now, after this point, what's going to happen is that ministry is going to again go boof to the world. And we are the fruit of it thereof. Do you get that? And it's, so it's super important because remember when something happens for the first time in the word, you've got to go, hey, I'm going to listen. I, I, I need to listen because I'm going to learn something. Because every time something happens for the first time, there are big like wah, 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 klaxons going, listen up, look at it, understand it. Because in this moment, what you're going to see is something that will change your life tomorrow. All right? So when the gospel is preached first to you and me, Peter's going to show us why it matters and why we need to listen. Everyone good with that? Brilliant. Let me just give you some context so we start to read about it. Because I, I, can I just say, don't be the kind of people who run around trying everything and everyone, friendship, ministry, career, money, even churches, right? The truth is, like, when you see with Peter here, he's not going to equivocate. He's not going to separate. He's not going to go, well, your life looks like this, and you've got a family that looks like this, so therefore you need. He's just going to cut through all that nonsense and go, this is it. Build your life on this, and from there, you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformational power of grace in your life. And some of us need to cut through the noise that we have been listening to or allowing into our hearts and come again because this is the point. This is your foundation. This is your starting point. You can't build on anything else other than what Peter's going to tell us to build on. Because if you don't build on what Peter's going to say here, the first time the gospel comes to us, the gospel of grace comes to us, then you're not building on a foundation of Jesus and his grace. You get that? So let's go for it. Um, Here's the context. Uh, let's read. Shall we read the Bible? Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. What I'm going to do, I'm going to, that's always a good place to start. I'll, I'll just go through those, right? At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Isn't Cornelius a great name? We should have more people called Cornelius. Can you imagine? What's your name? Cornelius. Wow. Anyway, do you know what I mean? That's not like a, like a flipping wimpy name, is it? Cornelius, your dinner's ready. I'm just, I don't, I'm not working East Belfast, but there you go. <laughs> I just thought, I just read, I thought, what a great name. Anyway, a centurion managing about 100 people, I'm not going to talk about what they did particularly, uh, who was known uh, as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come and come in and say to him, Cornelius, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror, right, and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Don't know if I've mentioned this, but I've been to Israel, and I've actually been to Simon the Tanner's house. It's incredible. Great view over the sea. All right. Now, let's have a look at this guy, Cornelius, because it's, it's important. Why, why does the Lord go to a Roman centurion called Cornelius? Well, there 
he's not Jewish, okay, but he's devout. And so what happens here is people get confused and they go, well, it's because he was doing all this good stuff that God heard his prayers. That's not what it was about at all. There were two kinds of, of people who converted, right? There were two classes of converts. The, the first ones were called, do you want to just get a wee bit biblical knowledge? Called the proselytes of the gate, right? What does that mean? Well, basically, this is what Cornelius was. I think these were the smart ones because they said, I want to be devout, but see all, the other, see all the crazy stuff you do? Circumcision. I'm not up for that. So could we just leave that bit out, please, if you wouldn't mind, all right? And so there was only a limited portion of the law. So idolatry, blasphemy, disobedience, the judges, murder, fornication, incest, theft, eating of blood. They kind of said, look, we're not going to do any of that, right? So the, the eunuch, Philip, baptized, he was one of those. All right, and, uh, and Cornelius, because he was probably a Roman soldier and a foreigner, he's called the proselyte of the gate. So it's kind of like, I'll, I'll not do all the real full-on stuff I'm just going to leave, and, but I'm kind of devout enough for the other stuff, right? Then there's proselytes of the righteousness. These were Gentiles that came complete Jews. They, they went the whole hog, right? Everything. Everything subject to the law. And they were allowed to enter into the temple and worship in the temple of the Gentiles, or sorry, the court of the Gentiles. Now, Three things we know about our Cornelius. Number one, he's devout and he's pious. So he worshipped the God of the Jews, right? Didn't worship Jesus. He worshipped the God of the Jews, right? In that, in that, do you hear this, the sense I'm saying of that? All right? And led his household in that direction. Now, these are really important points. I'm going to pull it out in a minute. He was benevolent, number two. So he used his position and his wealth to benefit the poor. That's the whole thing of the alms. He did good work, Right? Like socially active, we would say today. So one's just like, I love Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. But those poor people don't need to worry about them, right? He had a position, he had money, so he used that. And the third thing we see was he's spiritually minded. Now, he, he, he wanted a relationship with God and he kind of pursued it. That's like the equivalent of people today saying, I'm, I'm kind of spiritual. Uh, I was talking to someone recently who said, I pray. Uh, they didn't want to say, who do you pray to? Because they just pray, right? They're not a believer. And so I'm, I'm very spiritual, this person said. I was like, cool, brilliant, okay. And um, you see, right, so you put these three things together. You go, he's not a bad guy. There's some sense of God about him. He does good stuff. He wants his household, his kids and his family to kind of do well. And he doesn't want them to be crazy, you know. Like, it's kind of just a picture of everyone out there in the world today. Do you get that? Well, there's lots of people who use their position to do good stuff. They're kind of spiritually minded. They kind of don't, it's not that they are anti-God, but they just don't know really, you know, they have an idea of God, and so they're kind of that way oriented. It's like I was listening to um, <clears throat> Russell, what's his name? You know, with the beard? Russell. Brandt. And he was talking about worship, which was an interesting thing. On a podcast, <clears throat> and says, choose who you'll worship. And this really struck him. Because he went, do you know what that means? We're going to worship something. <laughs> He said it scared the life out of him. You know, he's not a believer. He's a wee bit crazy, in fact, but really super interesting to listen to. And he said, I, I, I realized in that moment in his whole life of sexual promiscuity and all that kind of stuff, he said, I was just worshiping something because I was made that way. So when the Lord says, choose who you'll worship, you don't really have an option of not worshiping. It's just who you're going to worship or what you're going to worship. So he had given his life to all this crazy stuff. And then he was kind of having this spiritual awakening in himself. Interesting pro um, podcast if you want to go listen to it. But it's interesting here that this is a wee bit what, like this, there's something in him that goes, I know there's more than this. So I want to be good. I want to do good work. I want my family to be good. Uh, don't want to hurt people. But there's no Jesus in the middle of it. So what happens? One thing on this as well. Do you ever feel like praying is a waste of time? <laughs> oh, no, pastor. <laughs> Never put my hand up for that. Anyone praying for something you haven't seen it yet? Okay, poof. Right. What's really interesting here is people sometimes say, <clears throat> you know, you know, there's, you've got to enter the courts with thanksgiving, the courts with praise, and da-da-da, and go over the... Cornelius doesn't... He's unregenerated. Do you get that? Hasn't received the Holy Spirit. But every prayer that he prays, the Lord comes and says, I heard everyone. They all came before me. Never feel like whenever you open your mouth to the Lord to say what you need to say, that it ever goes unheard. It never does. He hears everything. 
every single whimper or whisper, everything of faith and not faith, everything in between, his grace is bigger than it all. And he says he hears you this morning. Some of you don't go to God or you don't bring it to the Lord because you don't have faith that he even hears. Never, let alone answer. Hearing is one thing, right? But answering something else, like he doesn't answer me. Does he even hear me? He hears everything. Cornelius wasn't a super grace Christian guy. Cornelius wasn't a, a master of the faith. He was just a guy who was searching, wanted to know more of God, right? And, but just didn't know. But it doesn't matter. Every time he opened his mouth, God said, I hear. He saw the searching in his heart. That's the point. I was really struck by that recently when the Jesus Revolution movie. Remember we were talking about that? It was really good if you haven't seen it. And that one line, they're all just searching for God. They're all just so, like, so crazy. <laughs> like, isn't, isn't it funny? We had another, another moment on holiday. If you look at even the events of, like, what, what goes on in our, in our very own city, right? Whether it's yesterday, today, or tomorrow, right? You might look and you, like, we're being asked to consider some pretty crazy things, aren't we? Like, <laughs> you ever look at something and you kind of go, I know that that's not right, but yet I'm being told that it is right. And then you start to, you ever have moments of going, am I seeing this the right way? No? Is there spiffers if you don't? <clears throat> we had this moment on holiday. We're at the zoo with the kids. And uh, <clears throat> we were, you know, the zoo's great. It's one of the biggest zoos in Europe called La Palmiere. It's awesome. Been there now so many times. I'm bored of it, to be fair. But we got to the point where kids love it. <clears throat> got to the point where there's penguins. Now, <laughs> picture penguins in your head for me right now. And Penny and I were standing over the thing, looking at the penguins all running around. And <clears throat> Penny said, God love those penguins. I went, why? I know it's a bit warm and they're used to the snow, but they seem to be happy enough. She went, if you look really carefully, Andrew, they've all had their wings clipped so they can't fly away. And I went, <laughs> she was dead serious. Seriously, no, now if you're sitting thinking, oh God, love the penguins, you're part of the problem, all right? And I was looking at the way, I, I was going, I, I'm nearly sure those are just wee numbers to go like, that's penguin five, penguin six, so that at the end of the day, they can make sure that nobody's stolen a penguin. Do we have all the penguins? We do, brilliant. She's going, no, 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 those wings have been clipped so they can't fly. I'm going, there's me, Penny. Peng this is a tr honest to God conversation. I said, penguins can't fly. And she went, they can't. <laughs> I was like, they can't. Penguins don't. And then she went, oh, they can. <laughs> They've clipped their wings. And then I thought, is she winding me up? And then I started to doubt. I was going, maybe penguins can't fly. <laughs> and then you start to ask her, have you ever seen a penguin flying? Maybe they do. Flocks of penguins. <laughs> like right enough, how would they get around if they could? And I'm going, no, they, they waddle. Penguins waddle, they don't fly. She, she didn't agree with me anyway. We walked away from the penguins in disagreement. And I'm, in my head, I'm going, I'm looking at penguins. I've looked at penguins my whole life. And I've never seen one a foot off the air. <laughs> so stop telling me to look at something which I know intuitively to be completely wrong. But yet somehow there's doubt in my heart now as to whether I'm, what I'm saying is real or not. It's kind of a picture of the world, isn't it? It's crazy. That's another talk. But, <laughs> but it, yeah, but there's, there, there's something about this, this story, which is a wee bit like, you know, we've got, we, we're looking at it again and going, what, whatever is going on in this world out here, Peter's going to bring us back, right? That to the point of going, whatever people are telling you it is, it's this, and don't doubt it. Let, let me just say this. Whenever you pray, believe that God is working. Because what happens is this, as Cornelius is from Cornelius, let's look at this from Cornelius' point of view. As Cornelius prays, Peter's in Joppa. He's miles away. He's physically remote, and he's not in the same space. They've never encountered each other. And in, what's interesting is in Peter's mind, as Cornelius is praying, it doesn't even enter Peter's mind that he's going to be called to the Gentiles. He doesn't even think that Gentiles can be part of the plan because he's only ever spoken to Gentiles who converted to Judaism. Right? His vision at that stage was not big enough to include people who were different than him. That's the point. People who are different to us. 
what happens is sometimes there are people in your heart today, people in your life today, sorry, and you know when you think of them, you go, sure, they'll never be part of a church. They'll never encounter Jesus. They will never see the goodness of God's grace because you know what? I know them. I know what they're like. They're just different. That's not for them. They're good people. They do good work. They do all this kind of stuff. And they're pretty happy. They've got two kids and three square meals a day and a car and a job and a pension and blah, blah, blah. But God and Jesus, not a chance. Are you mad? And you know what? Every time you pray, God speaks to them. Every single time. He's got a different view. It wasn't even in Peter at this stage to be thinking about it. Then God, what God does is God speaks to him in a vision and he basically shows him reptiles and animals and birds all a wee bit random. But basically what he's saying is the whole point is God saying, and in your old way of thinking, you have divided things into who God loves and who God likes and who can access God and those who can't, clean and unclean, right? And so you call the unclean things common and God says, don't do that anymore, Peter, all right? Whenever I call something clean, don't you dare call it common, so in our thinking, we, some of us have got to be arrested in this, where we've gone, they'll never do it, they'll never see it. The Lord's saying to you today, where is your faith for them? Don't call them uncommon whenever I have said there is no difference at all. Do you get it? Have faith again. Believe again. Trust again. That whenever you speak one word about them, it rises before me, the Lord says, and I hear every word. And not just that, I am working on what you are praying. That's what he says here. And it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a bit of preparation in Peter to be done before he arrives at the scene, which is, you know, I, sometimes when I pray about things and pray about people and you don't see it move, what scriptures like this help me to do is say God's just preparing them for the right place, the kairos moment, the right place at the right time, making things ready in their heart. And in this case for Peter, it was also for a bigger purpose. It wasn't just about Cornelius, but it was about you and me. Do you get that? God saw you and me in his heart whenever he spoke to Peter about Cornelius, about the Gentiles who would come. Now, so let me help you to stay in faith, right? Now, so that's from Cornelius' side, from Peter's side. Uh, I guess the, the point is this. Are you prepared for God to interrupt your plans? Peter was having a pretty normal day. He was hungry. He was doing nothing out of the ordinary. He was praying. That's what he did. And God speaks to him. And now, granted, God putting him into a trance, like pretty full on even by the Lord's standards it's like I can't remember the last time the Lord put me into a trance but he does but the point remains is this you know I, I thought about this and you might go well he got a trance I've never had a trance therefore you know what I have stood in meetings with the power of the Holy Spirit operating in people's lives right and people can walk away from those moments as cold and unchanged as the moment that they walked in or they can experience the Lord. Oh, it's great. Great, great. And I, I'm all for that, by the way. And two months later, be in a deeper hole than what they were in before. Don't just chase the outworking, right, of the supernatural in your life. Let God do a supernatural work in you deeply. One that will last whenever the, the waves come. And whenever that the Lord is doing that in Peter, he's doing something deeper in him, actually. It's not just, uh, you know, Peter, this is going to be, he's, he's doing something deep in his heart, deep in his work. And it wasn't just about the experience. It was about the fact that Peter chose to go, yes, Lord, and cooperate with what the Lord was doing in him. Do you get that? Not just chasing a moment. So here's what happens. Okay, let's go back to the Bible. Acts 10, go to verse 25. When Peter entered, so Peter then goes to Cornelius' house and he meets him. He falls down at his feet and he worships him. Peter's going to tell him off here in a moment. But Peter lifts him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. You don't worship me, you worship the God who's in me. And as he talked to them, he went in. Now listen to this. He went in and found many persons gathered. Do we know who they were? No, that's really important. Do you know where they'd come from? No. Do we know what they were about? No. Is there any information given about the people who are just about to receive? None. All right? Why? It's not important. It's not about the people. It's about the message that they're going to receive. That's why they're not mentioned. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. There's Peter at it again. I love it. Do you think that whenever God spoke to him, put him into a trance, showed him all these mad animals going up and down and blankets and all the rest, and Peter comes out and goes, yes, Lord, I'm up for it. He walks right into the middle of it and goes, do you know what? I'm not even sure about this, but God's told me, so I'm going to do it. 
this was not a, God, it wasn't one of those moments. It's full of doubt. Right? And boy, when you see how grace operates in him, he's full of doubt. God, do you ever have God speak and then you doubt the next moment? Do you ever find yourself in the situation going, I kind of know that God said this, but I'm not even sure. He's told me not to fear. He's told me to give generously. He's told me to serve. He's told me to love. He's told me to forgive. But I'm in the middle of it all and I don't even know if I believe it. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'm talking to myself, all you spiritual people. That's just what, that should give you great comfort. It should give you, because that's what Peter's doing here. And so there he is. He, he walks in the middle of it, doesn't go, where do you hear this? I'm just going to preach and boom, 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 Benny Hinn, the whole lot of you. He doesn't do any of that. What he does, he just stands there and goes, listen, God spoke to me, right? He says that you lot are not unclean. Who am I to doubt? So let's take a whack at this, all right? It's essentially the heart of it. I love it in which you see the, how grace flows. So I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked you then, you sent for me, right? Let me go quick. You know, it's great to have people who encourage us and feed us, right? I listen to lots of different things, but I never, I've learned never to put people on a pedestal. The story of the gospel is not about the superstars. The story of the gospel is about men and women like you and me. It's in the failures in the eyes of the world, the less gifted, the less educated, the less powerful, being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and unmerited favor that will change this world. And that means you and me. There's almost a sense, I can't quite believe this from Peter, but I'm going to go with it. It's all right if you go, I can't quite believe this. Pray for that person again. Speak to that person, invite that in person, lay my hands on that person. I can't quite believe it. I don't even know if I believe it. But what was the point where Peter goes? He didn't stay on the outside going, well, Lord, can we just talk about this? He just walked straight into the middle of it and went, I'm not even sure if this is right, but let's go. <laughs> I love that. Man, I want to live my life more like that. You know, not having all the answers, not having it all worked out. Just walking in the middle going, I am really not sure about any of this, but you know, I have a feeling that God spoke to me, right? Not in a trance, not in a dream, but I have it in here. So let me lay my hands on you and pray. <laughs> and let's not see if this God of all heaven can heal that in your body, right? You see, it's not about you and your doubts and you and your this and you and your that. It's about the God of heaven in you. Can you get back to the point of it all? Stop making it about you and what you want and what you think and what you prefer and this, that, and the other because you will be miserable. You'll be like that wherever you go. Stay in that place of consumed by the grace of God. Because this is what Peter does. Let me, do I have time? Is this okay? Anyone enjoying it? Frankly, I'm loving it. <clears throat> Been too long. But let, do you know what he does at this point? I love it. Remember this. He has this group of people. <clears throat> I want you to think about this, okay? Because this is what we need to be convinced of. This is the first time he's going to preach this message. There's going to be a, a gathering of people. We are to remember every detail matters. We are not told who they are, where they've came from, what they've done, what their background is, how spiritual or not they are, what their issues are, where they have faith, no faith, what their journey has been, where, who they've been with, who they're... You know nothing of the crowd. They're just told that they're gathered. And why that is important is because in these days that we live in, even in the church, there is a lack of confidence in the power of the gospel of grace to be the, uh, the finished work of Jesus and Jesus alone. And so what the Lord does is he takes our attention off the crowd and puts it onto the truth of the gospel. And the, the message for us today is this. It doesn't matter who they are. There's only one message that's ever going to change them. And it's the gospel of Jesus and his grace. So whatever you think, whatever, you, whatever you've been told, whatever you might be dabbling in, let me tell you this. And I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday on how to spot psychopaths, right? So I listened to lots of stuff. Really interesting, by the way. Right? They live amongst us, right? They're flipping everywhere. And now that I've done the test, can I just say, <laughs> I, did the I did the psychopath test yesterday on the plane on the way home. I actually went back over it. I was like, because you're listening and then you're going, should I do the test or not? Because I don't want to do the test and then discover I'm a psychopath on a plane. Because I'm going to be horrendous. <laughs> actually, the guy explains it. He's a guy from Cambridge, a lecturer in Cambridge. He's like, they're not all axe murderers. You know what I mean? They look like Adam, mostly. <laughs> and... Um, I've been in the gym with him when he turns up, right? It's mm, steely-eyed. Um, so I was doing this test on psychopaths, and uh, you'll be glad to <laughs> I said to Penny, I've done a psychopath test. She was like, what? Across the aisle. It's the great British psychopath survey. I've done it. <laughs> Do you want to know what my score was? It was really below average. You'll be glad to know. There you go. So 
But now I'm looking at you going, see you for sure. <laughs> Crazy guy. So I listen to lots of stuff, right? Because uh, it just it tickles me. It interests me. I love to think. I love to, you know, Ian there, he sends me stuff and it makes my head go funny. And it's just all sorts of stuff in the mind. But there's something here about going, you know what? It doesn't matter who it is, what they're saying, what it's about. There's one message for all people, all men, all women, for all time. And it's gospel of grace. And when you see it the first time preached, it didn't matter who the crowd were. They all got the same thing. The comfort for you and I today is that if we can have that same confidence today in our own hearts, we will see the same results. Because what you can't do is say, Holy Spirit, revive us, all right? And have all of that, and I believe in that, okay? I believe that Holy Spirit regenerate. But what we can't do is we can't step over the foundation, which is Jesus and his work, because the Holy Spirit only ever illuminates Jesus and his finished work, right? <laughs> Every time. I mean, the Bible says that. He will come, Why? to magnify Jesus, right? And so what happens is we want all the outpouring, okay, but we skip over the foundation. You can't do that. That's why they don't, you know, when it comes to the Gentiles, they start with the gospel. Do you want to hear the seven things, seven things of grace? When I looked at it, I said to Penn, finished it off during the week in the caravan, we're sitting there, I was going, Penn, actually when I look at this, there's seven things, it's amazing, God never does things by mistake, there's seven things that, that Peter preaches, right, to all people, all times, all spaces, first thing is this, number one, you're going to be encouraged, hopefully, okay, is this, number one, uh, verse 34, 35, Peter opened his mouth and said, now remember, he just walks in going, let's take a whack, God spoke to me, I think this is all right, God shows no partiality, but in every nation, Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God shows no partiality. Can I just tell you, God doesn't respect people, right? I think this is such good news. He receives anyone, anywhere, any background, any race, any social class, any station. This is your message. It makes no difference to him. Some of us have got to remember that, not just for ourselves and go, thank God I'm saving in the meeting, but for the people around you. The people who are too far gone are the people who you don't care enough about yet, all right? He is no more in favor of one person over another. This is a brilliant message. He pays no more attention to the fact that uh, someone might be an atheist or somebody might be standing on a, on a stage preaching the gospel. He doesn't, he doesn't love anymore based on what we do. It makes no difference to him. He's an impartial God. He accepts any. That would have made a big difference to people. You know, I see today people think that God's excluding them. If you had stood in the middle of town yesterday and said, you know what, God loves you, you probably would have got something chucked at you. Do you get that? Because people already think that God's very partial. He's not. He's impartial, right? Big, wide open arms. Number two, Peter then goes on to say in verse 36, you know the word which he sent to Israel, first to the Jews, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. This is interesting. The word which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee after the baptism, which John preached now, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. This is really, really interesting. What, what he says is, hey, everyone, then point two, Jesus is Lord, right? Let's just get the, the, the ground right, okay? It's the first declaration of the, of the gospel of grace is Jesus is Lord, nobody else. It's interesting here as well, because it's like there, there's, there is a God, and his name is Jesus. See, in a world today, who are trying to go, I'm spiritual, and this and that and the other. We have got to go that actually for everyone, there is one God, his name is Jesus, one mediator between man and God, the man Jesus Christ. That's it, all right? We're not gonna compromise on that. We're not gonna be you know, difficult about that, but that's what the word says. Actually, really, really clearly, you know, he's God. He reaches out to us in our weakness and our failure and our sinfulness. He restores us and re-inhabits us. And those of us who have lost the spirit of God, actually what happens is that, that we, we've got to receive Jesus first as Lord and then as Savior. Interesting, he doesn't preach Savior first. I went back over that. I went, what's interesting? It's like, because you have some people who will go, I want all the benefits of Jesus, but I won't make him my Lord. So the gospel actually is not Savior first. It's Lord first, and then you can accept him as your Savior. Well, that's good. Even I thought that was good. Anyway, you know what I mean? 
So there's this thing of, because what's in the, in the heart of men and women? You'll not tell me what to do. You'll not tell me who I am. You'll not tell me this. You'll not tell me that. I'll come to God as long as I can create God in terms of what I think and what I want to create. And I will recreate God in my own image. And the Lord says, no, no, no. There's one Lord and it's me. It's not that I'm being difficult. I want to make your life hard. But if you're at the center, then I can never be at the center and life will never flow. So let's settle the Lordship issue. There's one God and it's not you. Amen. All right? Perfect. Then verse three. Oh, no, it's not verse three. It's point three. And uh, he, how Jesus went about doing good and he knew that we're oppressed by the devil. For God, this is Peter just going for it. I'm not even sure if I believe this, says Peter, but God spoke to me. So let me just give it to you Gentiles, all the ones that we can't see. That I don't care who you are. This is your message. This Jesus, the Lord, then the Savior, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are the witnesses to all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. This is brilliant. It's like, okay, this is for everyone. There's one Jesus, and let's be clear about this. Absolutely. The next great feature is this. He destroys evil everywhere he goes. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's an open God. He, he, he took evil in all of its forms and destroyed it openly before witnesses. He came to a world that was lost. He came to a world that was despairing, a world without hope. Everywhere he went, he set people free and brought again hope to human hearts and a, a way out of desperate bondage that has captured all of humanity. That's what he did. For this reason, the Son of God appeared. Why? To destroy the works of the devil. He's a good God who loves you. And when there is sickness and all the effects of evil in your life, he came to set you free from it. That's a pretty cool message. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what degrees you have. Doesn't matter what work you do, how much money you've got in the bank, right? Doesn't matter. There's your message so far. I'm only on point three. Holy smokes. I'm going to get saved in here soon. You know what I love about that? Men and women everywhere are hopeless. They are. They're sunk in despair. They need to see again a demonstration that Jesus can set people free. Because that's why he appeared. Now, how simple is that? Talk to somebody about that. Like, see all your good advice and your whatever. Brilliant. Like, you know, Adam gives me good advice. Don't eat muck, right? That's a good place to start, right? That's so. Don't eat muck. Right? Pull harder, push this, da-da-da-da-da, and all the rest of it. Good advice is fine. But, the, the, you know, the, the gospel's not good advice. The gospel's way better than good advice. Right? Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that Peter steps into that space and doesn't go, different crowd, how are we going to add, what are their needs, what are their wants, and how are we going to get, almost manipulate them, you know, how are we going to get them on the hook? Just comes in and comes, one Lord, it's not you, it's Jesus. Have him as Lord, then as Savior, and every bit of evil in your life will be destroyed. All right, okay. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Tell me what you mean, Peter. Well, I kind of mean, there's one Lord, it's not you, his name's Jesus, and he destroys evil. Okay. Think about the people in your life today. Well, we could just talk to them, take them out for coffee, have a chat, see how they're doing. Introduce them to Jesus. Introduce them to grace. Then it says in Acts 10, 39, slightly awkward bit in the middle. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. This could be the bit of a downer. So everything up until now has been quite good. Then Peter drops the bomb, mic drop and all that, and goes, oh, by the way, uh, they put him to death. Who put him to death? The Romans. Like physically, the Romans. Who's Peter speaking to? The Romans. <laughs> now, you think this would be really awkward? If it was me, I'd probably go, <laughs> anyway, next bit, uh, God loves you. Right? <laughs> you know that? He, doesn't, he says, and they put him to death. You can almost see the fingers in the room going, that was you, scumbag. You're a Roman. Why did he do that? Jesus was killed by the most shameful means possible. I even read a guy called uh, Cicero, um, or Cicero. Cicero, if you're Italian. He's a, an Italian, or Roman orator. Like, even the Romans recognized the brutality and the hatefulness of, of crucifixion. It wasn't like they were like, ah, it's fine, it's just crucifixion. They even recognized, in fact, Cicero said this, the cross is so terrible that it should not be mentioned in polite company. Yet they did it. Think about this. The root of the human condition is what? Condemnation leading to shame and guilt. Or 
right? But condemnation means it's shame. Makes us, makes us push in. What's wrong with people? Most of us are ashamed. Can't really love ourselves because we don't even know that God loves us. So here's Peter in the middle of it all. You know what I love about the power of the gospel? It's like because he, he stands with the one who put Christ to death, the representative of the one who puts Christ to death, and went, there's no shame. Let's get right to the heart of this. See him and his mob? He flipping killed Jesus. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree. The most despised and shameful way to deal with anyone. But it's not a problem now. You know the stuff that you see manifest in people's lives? People walking around our town in all sorts of shapes and positions, right? Like at the very heart of that, they're searching for God. They're searching for freedom. They're searching for life. They're searching for acceptance. They're searching for hope. Let's not judge and be finger pointers. There's no shame. Come to Christ and let him deal with it. Even the one who did the murdering, there's no shame. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Man, that's good. Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm going to go all Creflo on you now, right now, this morning. Isn't that brilliant? Are you enjoying this? Brilliant. I love this. Next bit, verse 40 to 41. He goes, God raised him on the third day. So he says, it's not just about your outside world, it's about your inside world. I'm going to deal with the shame and the condemnation because there is none. I can talk about it in the gathering and there's no shame. Then verse 40 to 41, God raised him on the third day and made him manifest, made him seen to be seen. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. That's what we're really interested here. This was God saying, listen, you know, God raised him on the third day and showed us him. Okay, the people who were chosen by God. There's, there's something here which I, I think is really important. It's basically what Peter is saying here. The gospel says that, you know, Jesus will never be defeated by men or by their ideology. Church, you don't need to be on the back foot. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. God's power was greater than man's. He broke the barriers of death, and that's good news. Everything that creates hopelessness and despair in human life if it yields to the power of God, it'll be healed. Why? Because he raised him from the third day, on the third day. Lastly, last two things, in Acts 2, 42. Acts 10, 42, it says, he commanded us then to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by, to be the judge of the living and the dead. Right? What we do is we don't preach Jesus as a theology, we preach him as a living God, a living person. He's supremely important to everyone. So, do you know what, why, why it says to the living and to the dead, right? It's, it's a bit of a thing of, it's, it's basically talking about the supremacy of God. It relates back to Colossians. Right? Above all I don't have time to go into that, right? But essentially what, what, what's happening here is, is, is Peter is saying, look, there is a final arbiter when it comes to, to life. We don't, we don't live with this perspective. Do you know why? We all think we're going to live forever. Hey, we're not. We're going to die. One day we're going to die. I saw it on the 21st meter of my <laughs> traversing of the pool. I was confronted, confronted I was, with my own sense of mortality and lack of breath. I can't breathe. You know the problem is? I try to open my mouth, but I always do it under the water, fill my lungs with water, and then like, it's just a mess, just an absolute mess. Anyway, you know what the point is here? There's a message here in grace, uh, in, in the gospel, which goes, we've got to preach Jesus. Why? Because everyone that we know today is going to die at some point, and they're going to be, there's a reckoning to be had. He's the judge of the living and the dead. That's not a, ooh, scare you. It's like in our 21st century Western mentality, we think we're going to live forever. We think we're immortal. We think that it doesn't matter. We've lost touch or sense with that, that bit of the inside of us that's eternal. And so we go for the carnal, and we live predominantly, and, and, and Grace says, listen, you don't need to worry about your future secure because of Christ, but you will have to face the one who created you. You can look in with eyes of love and be drawn in and be held forever and eternal. And that's, that's okay because he is the judge of the living and the dead. And then lastly, oh, flipping Laura, uh, to all him who bear wit, the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, Acts chapter 10. Now, it's basically saying, you Romans may not fully appreciate this, but everything that Jesus did was predicted by the prophets. Long before he ever came, what he would be like and what he would do was written down. Every prophet 
bore witness to this one fact. Let me just make one point on that. For all the fads that come and go in this world, all the things that promise this, that, and the other, the message that Peter preaches to people like you and me and everyone that we know is this. This is not a fashion or a fad. It's not the latest diet, the latest way to, you know, yin and yang your life to your life. It's not, it's not that. From the very beginning, that expression of the prophets written from the very beginning of time, this is what God ordained for you and for everybody else. There would be one who would come who would cleanse you of your sin, who would show you grace upon grace. And it has always been that way and it will always be that way. This, we are part of something which spans all of eternity, not just the little bit of you that we have now. If your little bit of you that you have right now is just me and my comfort and what I want, and lift your head up. Stop being so flipping selfish and receive grace upon grace and see the bigger picture because that's what we're called for. Amen. So that's the first time the gospel's ever preached to the Gentiles. It's amazing, seven things. Sorry I've taken too long on that probably. I just think it's such a powerful message, you know that? That's getting to the point of your life. Cut through the noise, cut through the dross, cut through the crap. And this week, go to Acts chapter 10 and read those seven verses again. And say, Lord, 20 verses, seven points. Read those verses again. Say, Lord, show me again Jesus in his fullness, his completeness, and his grace. And as you receive him on the inside, and that changes, okay, you'll not be so hung up on everything on the outside changing. Some things will change, some things won't. But you will walk through it all in peace, in joy, in love, and in fullness. Why? Because that's what he does. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. (coughs) Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you are here in this place. Holy Spirit, that you're ministering. I just pray for every heart over every family this morning, Lord, that there would be a revelation again. Lord, where, you know, it's just like distraction is such a flipping tool of the enemy in the days that we're living in. Hurry, distraction, this, that, you know. And, and Jesus, this morning we're just challenged, confronted, and encouraged again by the simplicity of the gospel of grace. Your Lord, you destroy the enemy. You have promised from the beginning of time that you would deal with every effect of sin and darkness and death, shame and condemnation for all men, all women, all people everywhere. God, you're not partial in any way, but you welcome us all. And you say, come and receive grace upon grace for your life. And so, Father, we commit ourselves in this day and in this week as we start this week to be people again whose eyes and focus first and foremost is on Jesus and his finished work. Jesus and his grace. And Lord, if, if we, even if we sat this week and we just meditated and believed and, and, and allowed those truths just to fill our hearts, Lord, what a difference that would make because life flows from there. Things change from there. All of our efforts and our trying and our manipulation and our working stuff out and changing this, that, and the other, when it's fleshly and it's carnal, leads to nothing. But Jesus, a heart and a life centered on you and your finished work, Lord, life flows from there. We can rest there. We can breathe easy there knowing that you are working. Every word that's uttered, every prayer that comes from our mouth, Lord, you hear everyone and you work on our behalf. Isn't he good?